of reminder, the Apostle Paul writing this letter to Colossae, remember, he's writing to a group of people that he has really never met before. And we're going to see that as we begin chapter 2. But this letter was not only written to one church, the church at Colossae. This letter was intended to be a circular letter. In other words, when it was read at Colossae, the church, Calvary Chapel Colossae, if you will, sent there, they received the letter, they read it to the church. It was meant to be sent out to the churches in that area as well. One of those churches was Laodicea. You guys remember Laodicea? Laodicea we read about later in what book? In what book? Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. Remember, they were the lukewarm church. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going I'm to puke you out of my mouth. That's gross, but I don't want to find out what that means. Some people say, well, what does that mean, Pastor? Am I going to get puked out? I don't know, bro, but listen, I don't want it to happen to me. I want to stay on fire for Jesus. I want to be a burning and shining lamp for him. But in any event, this letter was meant to be read amongst all the different churches in that area. And remember where Paul is writing from. Where's Paul at right now? He's in prison in Rome, right? In chains. And he's there, he's, he's imprisoned, and all of a sudden, who comes to see him is this dude named Epaphras. We learned about him in chapter 1. He was actually probably the pastor of the church at Colossae, and he brings good news to Paul. He says, listen, this church in Colossae, it's rocking. The, there is a work of the Spirit going on there. It's amazing. These people are growing in their faith, their love, their hope. There's one problem, though. There's false teaching creeping into the church. There's heresy that's swirling around, winds of doctrine that are trying to blow through the church. People are getting picked off. And Paul, hearing that news, he's brokenhearted. He has a great conflict we're going to see in just a moment in his heart because he cares for God's flock. He even cares for people he's never met before that belong to the body of Christ. And so Paul writes this letter, and remember, the, he doesn't address these false teachings, but what does he do? He helps the Colossians, he helps you and I this morning to get our eyes back on Jesus, who he is, and what he has done for us. And it's so important to be reminded of that, isn't it? Isn't it important to be reminded of those things? Peter talked about that, Second Peter. Man, I'm going to tell you these things again, I'm going to remind you these things again, I'm going to remind, why do we need reminders? We forget. We forget the things we should remember and remember the things we should forget, don't we, so often? So it's good to be reminded, isn't it, of who Jesus is, of what he's done for us, the amazing wealth that we have, the spiritual wealth that we have by grace, through faith, simply because we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And so that's how Paul begins this letter, is reminding them of those things And then he moves into chapter 2 after he told them, listen, it's Jesus we preach. We warn everybody and teach everybody with all wisdom. We want to be pastors and teachers and ministers that will one day be able to present you like mature before the Lord. It's It's the reason I labor, Paul says, to the point of exhaustion. But it's not just it's not just labor in my own strength, it's the power of the Holy Spirit who helps me to labor as he's called me to labor. And so we begin chapter 2, verse 1. God's word says, Paul writes, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea 
And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, and this is so amazing, in whom, speaking of Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Isn't that an amazing verse? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found hidden in Jesus Christ. Let me draw your attention to verse 1 just for a moment. Notice Paul is brokenhearted. For both the Colossians and the Laodiceans, we see there, um, even though he had never met them yet, and it says he had a great conflict for them or over them or because of what's going on with them. And that word in the Greek, it's interesting, it's the word agon. We get agonize or agony. Paul's saying, I'm agonizing. I'm in agony of what's going on there in Colossae, there in Laodicea, what's going on with you. I have a burden for you. I have a struggle I'm going through. And what Paul hears from Epaphras, um, it produces agony in Paul's heart. And I love what he does here. And by the way, if you have a great conflict, do you have peace? Do you have rest? There's no rest. There's no peace. And so we see Paul's care for the flock and he is engaged. Paul's engaged in a spiritual battle here. Paul's engaging in a spiritual battle. Are we in a spiritual battle? Is our, is our fight against flesh and blood? Is our fight against the president? Is our fight against the Democrats? The House, the Senate, Republicans, whatever. Is our fight against them? Your neighbor that's ticking you off? Is it, we wrestle against flesh and blood? It is, what kind of a battle? Spiritual, Spiritual battle. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. The weapons, in other words, Paul says to the Corinthians, the weapons that God has given us, they are, they're not just like squirt guns. They are mighty in God. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 6, what our weapons are, the word of God and prayer. Oh yeah, we suit up, we put on the whole armor for defense, right? Those fiery darts come shooting at us. We need to have the helmet on, the breastplate, the belt that holds it all together, the, the killer shoes with the spikes, right, to, to keep our ground. But Paul hears this, the flock is attack, attacked, and what does he do? He goes on the offensive. How? We see in verse 2, he begins to pray for them. He shares the truth of God's word with them, and he also is praying for them as well. And listen, both of those are important, aren't they? Are those both important, prayer and the Word of God? If you're going to go into a street fight and you got one hand tied behind your back, how are you going to do? You... What if you got two? Man, you've got both guns firing, don't you? Correct? You want both guns firing, prayer and the Word of God. And so they were being bombarded with lies um, number one, deception. Let me, just, let me just show you this real quick. In verse 4, Paul says, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. So there was deception and lies going on. And then look at verse 8. Paul said, Beware lest anyone cheat you. 
or rip you off, or it speaks of predators, of predators that go and they grab their, their prey and catch them and bring them home to their den or their lair. Beware lest anyone cheat you. And then look at verse 16. Paul says, so let no one judge you. So apparently there were people coming that were judging them to the point of condemnation. And then in verse 18, he says, let no one cheat you. And so there are people trying to cheat them, rip them off. Scammers, right? Con men that were coming into the church, trying to move them away from, listen, trying to move them away from a simple love relationship with Jesus Christ. Saying, it's G- listen, it's great you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, but you also need to add this. You also need to do this. You also, you also need, we have some special revelations from heaven. And if you join our little group, we'll tell you about those special revelations. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've heard people say that before. Oh, you need to join our little Bible study because we're going into the deeper truths. We're going so deep. Pastor Mike, he's shallow. He's a knucklehead, ex-druggy baseball player. He can't take you deep. We can take you deep over here. Listen, when you got Jesus, you can go as deep as you want, but it's always in the Word of God. And it's with him. Because we learn in verse 3 that in him, are hid, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You don't need some dude, some guru, some whatever telling you you need this, you need that. That you're not sufficient. That you're missing out. We are complete in him. I'm getting ahead of myself. We're not even there yet. So Paul's in prison. He's got the full armor on. He's going to battle spiritually. And look at Paul's desire, his prayer in verse 2. Check it out with me. What's the first thing he prays for or his desire for them? That their hearts may be, what? Encouraged. What can happen when you're bombarded with lies in the spiritual battle? What can happen? You can become, what? Discouraged. You can become weary. Doubts can creep in. You can become sad. I was in California this week as a pastor, at a pastor's conference, um, Calvary Chapel Pastor's Conference, and I got to visit my girls uh, for a little bit in San Diego and to hang out with some of their friends, some of their fr- boys that are friends as well. And can I just encourage you guys to be praying for them? They are being, they're at a Christian school, and they are being bombarded with lies. And some of the young men I got to share with and talk to were telling me that they, some of these teachers are sowing seeds of doubt, of confusion. And we're, to tell you, Mike, we're discouraged. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's talk about what God's word says. And let's pray that they would be their hearts, because listen, our hearts can become discouraged, can't they? And they need to be encouraged. This is a great prayer to pray for one another because some of you all, I know you're getting, you're standing for the truth all week long. Some of you in school, in public schools, some of you in the workplace, you're standing for the truth and you can get weary, can't you? You can get discouraged in your heart because it's a constant barrage. Sometimes it's like little wave after wave. Sometimes it's just like big old sets, big old bomb sets coming through. Ooh, boom, and boom, you're getting attacked. Like, wow, I'm just getting discouraged. Can I encourage us? We need to be praying for one another. Even for people we haven't seen, just like the Apostle Paul. He's praying for believers that he's never met before, that their hearts would be 
encouraged. From the innermost part of their being, they would be strengthened. Great prayer. And then what's number two? Being knit together in what? Paul prays for what? That God's love would do what? Bind them together. I love that. Because what happens when you're spiritually attacked? When you are bombarded with lies, what can happen? Rather than us being being knit together, what can happen? We can start to be torn apart, divided, fractured. And that's what, isn't that what the devil wants to do? To steal, to kill, and to destroy? God's doing this awesome work here at Calvary Chapel, and I don't think the enemy's sitting back going, oh, isn't that cute? Look at those Christians. They, they deserve a break today. Isn't that like... Burger King or McDonald's is one of those. They deserve a break today. It's like, no, man. It's like water trying to get into a building. Any way water can get in, try to get into the building, it'll try. And that's what happens. There's a spiritual battle that goes on, and we need to be praying, and we need to continue to be knit together in love. Remember what Jesus said about the end times? He said that you see these signs beginning to happen. It will be like birth pangs. Moms, you guys know what birth pangs are like, Correct? I got no clue. I just rooted Tanya on. Way to go, babe. <laughs> but the closer you get to delivery, it happens with more intensity and more frequency, correct? Is that right, ladies? That, yes. yes. Okay, just want to make sure. The closer we get to the birth of the, the kingdom of God... Jesus setting up his kingdom on earth, the closer we get to his return for the church, the rapture, those things are going to happen with more intensity and more frequency. One of those signs, you know what it was? The love of many will grow cold. Do you guys remember that? All of that discourse. Remember when Jesus said that? And sometimes we, we read that and go, oh yeah, look at the world today. Man, there's no love out there, man. What's interesting is you look up that, look up that word love, it's agape. There's only one group of people on this planet that have agape love. You know who it is? The church, you and me. You know what that's saying? The closer we get to the Lord's coming, our love will be growing colder and colder and colder. You know what that tells me? God help us. That we would continue to grow in our love for him and our love for one another, that's to be, that's to be the, our mark as Christians. Again, our love for one another, our care for one another. And Jesus said that love for one another will be a demonstration to the whole world that you belong to me. He, Jesus authorizes the world to look in and to inspect our fruit to see whether or not we're legit. Are, are we legit? We're called to love each other, not in word or in tongue, but in, in deed, in, in action, and in truth, not phony. You know what I'm saying? Because we can do that, can't we? Oh, love you. Love you, dude. Love you, bro. Love you, sis. Yeah. Oh, you need help? Cool. I'll be praying for you. John says that's bogus, man. By this we know love that he gave his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus is the initiator. I'm the responder. In light of what he's done for me, I'm to turn around and do for you, to love you, to be willing to lay down my life for you. The brethren, that's who, aren't we the brethren and sistren? I don't know if that's the right word. 
Brothers and sisters, you see someone, you got this world's goods, and you see someone in need in the church, and you shut up your heart and don't help them out, how can the love of God be residing in you? John says, man, there needs to be action. There needs to be truth behind our profession of what we're saying. But Paul prays here that that God's love would knit you together. What a great prayer to pray for the church, for one another. Because when the body is knit together by God's love, it's difficult to tear us apart. And it's difficult to tear that body apart with false doctrine as well. Because love rejoices in the truth, but not in iniquity. Look at the next part of the verse. What's the next thing Paul prays for? Attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding. And that's a mouthful from Paul, isn't it? So what happens when you are spiritually attacked, when you are bombarded constantly with lies, what can happen? Look what it says. Full assurance. What can happen when you're bombarded with lies? You can, la- you can have a lack of assurance, can't you? Can doubts start to creep in? Do you guys ever have doubts? Anybody have doubts? If you're f- afraid to raise your hand in church, it's okay. Don't, I won't look spiritual if I raise my hand right now. Do you know the greatest prophet that ever lived had doubts? Who was it? What was his name? John, was he from the Baptist church? John the... No. John the Baptist, remember what happened? He got thrown in prison for doing the right thing, right? Herod was involved in a sexually immoral relationship, correct? You guys remember this? Everybody remember this story? We're on the same page this morning still? And what did he do? He said, dude, what you're doing is wrong. You're involved in sexual immorality, bro. God doesn't approve of that. John called it as it is, and Herod was ticked off. Correct? So ticked off, he threw him into threw him into prison. And so John's chilling out. Well, not chilling out in prison. It's probably Darley. He's in prison, and he's hearing. What's he hearing? He's hearing about all the things Jesus is doing and saying. The eyes of the blind are being opened. The deaf are hearing. The lame are walking. The lepers are being cleansed. The dead are being raised. The captives are being set free. And John's saying, whoa, whoa, time out. What was that last thing? The the what? Let's see, I'm captive and I'm not free. I'm in here for doing the right thing. I did what God wanted me to do. And it's not good. What's happened? Correct? Has that ever happened to you? I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing And I hit this trial. For some, of us, it's, for some of us, it's so heavy, the trial. You have a hard time reconciling God's love with your current situation. I know because I've been there. And what does John do? Does he text Jesus? He sends his old-fashioned text, right? He sends his disciples, John's disciples. He sends them to Jesus and says... <laughs> Are you the one? Or should we look for another? Whoa, time out. This is John the Baptist. He looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I go on record. I testify that this is the Son of God. And now he's in prison. He's in a dungeon. And he's dealing with doubt. 
Sometimes we have doubts, don't we? Even the best of us. But the question is, and here's the thing this morning. Here, I don't mean to go off on a huge bunny trail, but this is so crucial. Because when you're, when you're, when you're spiritually under attack, bombarded with lies, doubt can creep in. The question is, what do you do with the doubt when it comes? And either it can lead you, it only can lead you in one or two ways. Either it will lead you to an evil heart of unbelief, a hard heart of unbelief, or it will lead you to seek the truth, and the truth will set you free. John did the right thing, didn't he? He sought Jesus. And what did Jesus, remember what Jesus said? He didn't answer John's disciples right away, did he? He healed some more people, shared a little more, and then said, you go back to John and you tell him the things you've seen, the things you've heard. It's all a fulfillment of the word. You know the word, John. All of this is a fulfillment of what's been predicted already. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. That's the blessed position, not being offended because of Jesus Christ. So Paul, that's the long way around the barn here. Paul prays what? That they would be fully confident, full assurance of understanding of what they know, that they would be solidified, in other words, in their faith, that they would be able to wonderfully and confidently be able to connect the dots spiritually in their lives, that they would process these things in full assurance of knowing God's word, having understanding, and rest in that, simply trusting in God's word. Do you trust God's word this morning? That's like half the room. The rest of you can come up for prayer, like right after, just... Do you guys trust God's word? Do you know he's faithful to his word, to his promises? Are you fully assured of who Jesus is? This is important. Be, listen, being fully assured of who Jesus is, being fully assured of what he's done for us, being fully assured of how wealthy we are in Christ, it is beautiful protection from lies and what is false. Having that understanding. And when you're sure, listen, when you're sure of that, of who Jesus is, what he's done, the wealth you have in Christ, everything else looks like junk. I don't want that. I don't see Jesus teaching that. I don't see him doing that. I want what Jesus has for me. Because in him, I have everything. I, I want what he has for me. Not what I'm seeing people say that's contrary, contradicting the word of God and so the fourth thing he prays is what? To the knowledge. And that word knowledge is experientially knowing. First-hand knowledge. Like really in a personal way. To the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. What is the mystery of God? What is the mystery of God? Did we learn this last week? Were you guys here last week? Chapter 1, verse 27. Check it out. This is important. It's not like a Nancy Drew whodunit. It's something that's revealed to those that have given their lives to the Lord. Thank you. Christ in you, the hope of 
glory. Isn't that glorious? You put your trust in him, and where does he come? In you. The closest possible place that he could come is right into your heart. And he begins to work. He comes in with all his stuff. You're never alone ever again. And Paul's praying for them because what can happen when you are attacked spiritually, when you are bombarded with lies, what can happen? You can feel all alone, stressed out, fearful, no one cares, no one... I don't have what it takes. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says. Speaking of Jesus, what he said, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What, listen, what can man do to you? What's the worst that can happen this morning? Off goes our nugget, right? Okay, you're not going to bow down and worship Caesar, worship whoever. What, off with the head, where do we go? Straight to the presence of the Lord, correct? To be absent from the body is to be present with the uh, Lord. The worst that can happen is actually the best. We, all our dreams and, and plans begin. Everything, everything begins when we step through the veil into eternity, into the Father's house, to the place Jesus is preparing for us right now, where there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more murder, no more robbery, no more rape, no more terrorism, no more taxes. I'll get an amen somewhere here in just a moment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How good it's going to be? I mean, just think about no more pain. How many of you guys wake up, you older folks, we wake up with pain, don't we? It's like snap, crackle, pop into your morning. <laughs> like, you need to get icy hot on you before you get out of bed. Listen, the Lord's with you. And Paul's praying, listen, that you would just come to that place where it's like, oh, you would just take hold of that experientially in a real way. That you would know him deeper and more wonderful. How do you get to know someone? Talk to them. How about spend time with them, correct? How do you get to know Jesus better? Spend time with him. How do I spend time with him? What does that even mean? You open your Bible, you read it, and you pray. And you talk to him. And you walk with him. And he's with you wherever you go. You include him in what you're doing. It is so awesome to include the Lord in whatever we're doing. I got to share with this, one of these young men this week, and, and he's got this awesome, he shapes surfboards, and he's, he's a man after my own heart in that. But I'm like, dude, if you do this without Jesus, you're going to be miserable. Life is not going to work. But if you do this with Jesus, you're going to have a blast because he's going to give you wisdom He's going to give you knowledge. He's going to help you to run this business that you want to start because all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. <gasps> Didn't we just read that somewhere? What verse? If someone asked you where are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge found, where would you go? Verse, check it out. Verse, isn't that good? In whom, speaks of Jesus, are hidden... Most of the treasures, many of the treasures, some, but, you know, some of these other guys need to discover a few. 
How much is all? Everything. Hidden, not from us, but for us. Kind of like if you have a bank account, your money is not hidden from you, it's hidden for you. It's protected. Does that make sense? Sort of. Why are all the treasures hid? So we can't find them? So that we would seek him. So that we would seek him. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found, did you notice this, in a person? In a person. And he calls us to come to him. When you are bombarded with lies, when you're in the middle of a spiritual battle, where should you go? To Jesus. Why? Because when that happens, you're weary and burdened. Didn't Jesus say something about being weary and burdened? All you who are weary and burdened, come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Isn't that a great description of our Lord? He says, just come to me when you're weary and burdened. When you're in the middle of the battle and you're discouraged and you're weary and you're worn out, you're standing for, to do what's right in the midst of this battle, come to me. Learn from me. Hang out with me. Not just once a month, once a week, once a quarter. I mean, think about that. How often do you need wisdom and knowledge? Hourly. Hourly. Thank you. Correct? Do you, parents, remember when you first got kids? Got kids. When you first were blessed with kids? We got them kids, honey. <laughs> we got us some. <laughs> like, there, for us, there was no Google. Right? And we still had the phones. You had to... They weren't... We did have the dial one. But we, then we got the upgrade, the... But you learn, and you look to the Lord. Do you know that he's the expert in all things? Do you guys know that this morning? Jesus is the expert in all things. Even in your area of expertise, do you know he's the expert? Do you believe that? Remember when Jesus went fishing with Peter? You guys remember that story? No? It's okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> Jesus was teaching, and all the people were listening. They were hungry for the word of God, just like us this morning. Aren't you guys hungry for the word of God? It's so awesome. It's so awesome to, to, to pastor this church, to, to be with you guys that are hungry for the word of God. It's awesome. So they're hungry for the word of God. And Jesus is getting closer and closer to the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And he's about to go into the water. And so he tells Peter, can I borrow your boat? He pulls the boat right over to Jesus. So he's able to sit. And he has a pulpit right there on the Sea of Galilee. And if you've been over there, your voice travels big time on the Sea of Galilee over the water. So Jesus is sitting there giving a Bible study. And then all of a sudden he finishes and says, Peter, let's go out, right? Out to the deep. Drop down your nets for a catch. What does Peter say? Oh, Lord. We toiled all night long. We caught nothing. You know what he was saying? Lord, you're a great teacher. In fact, you're an gr excellent carpenter. But, I, but listen, I'm, I'm Pete. I'm the fisherman here. Wrong, wrong time to go. Wrong place. Nevertheless, we'll, we'll do it. 
I'll thrill you. Let's do this. I'll, I'll show you who the expert is. And so they head on out into the deep. And Peter, if you go back and look at the story, he lets down a net, not nets. Jesus said, let down your nets, plural. This request can be, can be disproved. With just one less net, I've got to wash. And so he drops the net, and what happens? Can you imagine? All the fish are going, just jumping in this net. It's packed. He whistles to his buddies, get over here, we can't even lift this. And what does Peter do? Remember what Peter did? He went on tour selling books about fishing. Is that what he did? Making sure you're still with me this morning. He fell down at Jesus' feet and said, depart from me. A sinful man. Brokenness. God, how could I think, Lord Jesus, how could I think that I'm the expert in anything when you are the expert in all things, including the area of my expertise? Oh, Lord, forgive me. Such an awesome story. Do you know that Lord is the expert in child rearing? He's the expert in business. He is the expert in marriage, not Dr. Phil, not whatever you can find on Oprah. Like like that group that needs to come up after, if you're watching Oprah and taking her advice, we're going to lay hands on you this morning. (laughs) You just come right up right here. We're going to pray afterwards. In whom? In whom? are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Man, how often do we need to be led? Every day, apart from him, I can do nothing. I need Jesus. I need, listen, where are you digging this morning? Where have you been digging to get your wisdom and knowledge? Can I just ask you that this morning? Where have you been digging? Are you digging into the word of God, spending time with Jesus alone? Or are you digging somewhere else? Because the treasure is found in Jesus, isn't it? That's like a couple amens. Okay, Amen. if, I, if I had a giant box of gold coins for you this morning with jewels and diamonds and what, pearls, diamond, diamond, I say diamonds already, I got a giant box and it's just for you. It's just for you, okay? I don't have it, by the way, because I don't, <laughs> don't have much. But if I did... I'm just, this is an example, by the way. It's for you, and, and guess what? I'm going to bury it. Listen, I'm going to bury it between the two palm trees out front. I'm going to bury it in this giant box just for you, okay? And it's got all this wealth, all this treasure, all this stuff right in it. And I'm going to help you out. I'm also going to spray paint a big X so you know exactly where to dig. Are you going to go dig in Galveston? I got a treasure for you, bro. Sis. Chica. I got a present. I got a, it's just for you. And here's where to go dig. Are you going to go dig in South Dakota? Where are you going to dig? Right at the X. Right where I told you. So if we know all the treasures are found hidden in Jesus. Why would you go digging anywhere else? You know that this morning. It's in a person. Where are you going for wisdom, knowledge, insight, understanding? 
And here's the deal. The digging isn't just a one-time deal. It is a lifetime thing that you and I have tapped into. It's glorious because Christ is living in you. You can look to, you can look to him all day long. Do you know that? And say, Lord, help. I need wisdom. I don't know how to, I don't know how to make a decision on this. But you see the whole picture. You know all the details. You are the wonderful counselor. Do you know Jesus is the wonderful counselor? Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us, what? A, a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And upon his shoulder the government shall be, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Do you know Jesus is the Wonderful Counselor this morning? I know we put it on our Christmas cards, and people are getting their decorations out already, aren't they? Some of us have that on, on your little, what are those things called? Ornament. Isaiah 9, 6, unto us. But here's the thing. We know he's the wonderful counselor, but where do we go to get counsel so often? Oh, I got to go to a psychiatrist. Psychologist. Can I save you like a couple grand? We got free Bibles in the back. How wonderful a counselor is Jesus Christ. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Oh, but, but, but Junior needs a pill. He does? Yeah, he needs these pills. That's what everybody's saying. Everybody's taking the pills, man. You know, do you know that your child is fearfully and wonderfully made by Jesus Christ? And he's the expert. He knows what your child needs. Have you, have you spent time praying about it and seeking him? Because maybe there is a more excellent way in seeing the Lord. I, I know I'm stepping on toes this morning, and that's okay, because I love you. Because that's, that's so often in our culture, the default is, I got to go see a pro. I gotta, is Jesus not the pro? These other cats are minor league. They're A-ball. They're T-ball. Jesus is the pro. He's the expert in all things, in everything. He knows what our kids need. He knows what we need. He's the one who can fix us. He, do you believe he still heals at all? Maybe Junior's just craving some attention, some time. T-I-M-E, that's how they spell love. Spending time with them. No, but we got to pill him up. we got to give him pills. we got to send him to the psychologist. Gotta... No, 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 no. How about coming to the wonderful counselor? Let him help you out. Let him work in your life. The, the, the four men brought their paralytic to Jesus. They knew where they could find help. Have you, have you brought your child to Jesus, your friend, your family member, your spouse? Bring them to Jesus. Either we believe or we don't, guys. We, we demonstrate our belief, our trust, by saying, okay, Lord, this I say, why, Paul? Lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive Words. Why is Paul saying this? There's con artists out there. There's con men. Do you know this morning there are people that want to deceive you? Do you guys know that? Not just out there. Do you know there's sometimes people that come in the church that want to deceive you? Sadly. And it's so awesome to see a healthy body is able to get rid of junk. A healthy immune system. 
That word deceive, you know what it means? It means to cheat, to trick, to mislead, to take for a ride, to pull a fast one, to rip off, to entice. And it means to reason contrary to truth in a misleading or erroneous way. Listen, when you remove the truth, what are you left with? Lies. Well, what do they use to deceive you? Look at the next part of the verse. What do they use? Persuasive words. Persuasive means cunning. It means convincing. It means compelling, influential, subtle. Someone else used cunning words in the Bible. Do you remember who? Satan did. Do you remember where? Genesis 3. Thank you very much. I'm going to read what happened. Do you guys remember the story? You do? You guys remember the story? So good. This is what we're talking about. Now the serpent was more cunning, there's our word, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Please note that the first question in the entire Bible is the questioning of God's word. Did God really say that? Isn't that what's happening today? Oh, you can't really believe. Did God really say that? Come on. Uh, it's a bunch of men who wrote that. There's so many, er- dude, there's so many errors. Can you tell me one, please? You ever ask, you ever have somebody say that to you? Could you please tell me one? I'm waiting, dude. Normally it's a smoke screen. Why? Because men love darkness rather than light. And they won't come to the light. Why? Lest their deeds are exposed. And they're just living off half-truths and hand-me-downs, what they've heard from others. Oh, it's just a bunch of stories. It's, you know, we can't trust it. It's been handed down over so many years. Oh, really? 66 books, 40 different authors, three different languages on three different continents, over 1,500 years, and it all is singular in theme and, and purpose and about a person. It's all about Jesus. How do you explain the prophecies, the predictions? Uh, I don't know. Well, listen, all of, this is, all of this was predicted, and it all came true. What's the, what's the, what are the odds that this part's going to come true that's left? I'm not a betting man. I know we moved from Vegas. We lived there for a little bit, but I'd rather be, on, I'd rather be in the minority with God. questioning of God's word. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You know what Satan's doing right there? He's soft selling the consequences of disobedience to God, of disobedience to the Word. You're not going to die. Come on. You can... Everybody's doing it. You guys ever hear that one? Everybody's doing it. If it feels good, do it. You're not going to die. It's fun. Now, sin is pleasurable for a season. But the way of the transgressor is hard, man. On the flip side, it looks good up front, 
But on the flip side, you're going to wipe out, man. You're going to damage yourself and you're going to damage others. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You're missing out. God is so restrictive. He's holding out on you. You guys ever heard that before? Sometimes we hear from our kids. You're so restrictive. You're so, come on. Our parents, are we trying to keep them from, from being blessed? Do we want them to be blessed? Do we want their lives to be awesome? Are we holding out on them? No. No way. How much more our Heavenly Father? He wants our lives to be fruitful, to be abundant. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life abundant. The things he shares with us that are sometimes difficult, it's for our protection. It's out of love from from our Heavenly Father. Same way with parents. As much as we love our kids, we don't want to see them wipe out and get damaged and wrecked. That's why we share these things with them. And the enemy comes in and says, oh, your parents, God's holding out on you. They're so restrictive. Come on. You don't need anyone to tell you what to do. You can be your own God. You can make the rules. And is that what people do? That they start to judge the word of God? Well, I believe the word of God says this. I, this is, I like Jesus. He's so cool, but I don't like what Paul says here. Homosexuality is sin. That's the big one on campus. God doesn't condemn homosexuality, really. (laughs) I was born that way. You're you're absolutely right. We're all born with a sin nature. You dislike those people while I did it with this people, or whatever. It's all a lie. Sin is sin. Jesus paid for those sins, and he'll set you free to make you a new creation. Don't make excuses. Don't try to find loopholes. You're becoming a judge of God's word rather than the word of God judging you. That's no fear of God before your eyes, man. And and, and these professors professing to be wise, they became idiots. Doesn't Paul say that in Romans 1? Look out, man. If you're a teacher and you're promoting that junk... Jesus said what? If you cause a little one to stumble, it would be better for you to have a millstone wrapped around your neck and you'd be thrown into the ocean. That's he- I know Jesus gets all gangster and it's heavy and it's true. Look out, bro. Watch out. You're causing my little ones to stumble? We need to be, again, we need to be praying for them too, that they would repent and be broken. Because they need Jesus just as much as I needed Jesus. I need him. And so, dealing in lies and what is false, you need to use persuasion. That's what Paul says. These people that are coming into the church and that are doing this, that they're dealing in lies and what is false, and they need to use these words. And and can I just encourage us this morning, can, can we filter everything through the word of God? Through Jesus? If you know the truth, Guess what? If you know the truth so well, you are able to see when the lies come. Don't go studying the lies. Study the truth. Get to know the word of God. That way when the bogus comes, you're like, whoa, time out. That's nonsense. 
The Bible doesn't say that. God's word says this, because I know my Bible. We, 66 books, be, know the books, know the, know the word. Don't study the evil. So many people I hear about, well, I'm studying this, you know, the, this false teaching and that, because I want to be, no, 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 no. Get to know the word of God, because you're missing out. Get to know Jesus. Read your Bible, study your Bible, know the truth. And Jesus said, listen, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Isn't that good news this morning? If you abide in the word, you're in the word. Abide means to reside, spend time. It's not just I just jump in once a year or once a month or once a quarter, or I get my daily devotional in my inbox. I get my spiritual pep talk for the day. It's I spend time dwelling in the Word of God. Are you with me? Where do I start? How about Matthew? Just read through the New Testament. Well, I've been playing Bible roulette, Pastor. <laughs> that, you know, that'll mess you up. You start playing Bible roulette and you hit something and it says something gnarly. You're like, I'm not picking it up again. No more roulette for me. Just start reading your Bible. Begin in Matthew. Work your way through the Gospels. Get to know Jesus. You won't miss a thing. And then cruise into Acts. Studying it Sunday night. And then get in the epistles. Get through the New Testament. And go in the Old Testament. Stuff will start to make sense. And if you're saying, I don't get this, I don't look for Jesus, because it's all about Jesus. He said, behold, I come in the volume of the book. It's written to me. It's all about Jesus. Look for Jesus, no matter where you're at. It's not hermeneutics, it's hymeneutics. It's all about him. Getting to know him. Take those persuasive words to Jesus. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much that you've given us your word. You've given us the Holy Spirit.